I said good morning, I meant good afternoon. I've said that a bunch of times today. Did I say good morning? I'm so sorry. Today feels like it's going by so fast and it's rainy. So if you're home, uh, lucky you, be cozy because next year you'll be here, even if it's thunderstorming outside. And so um, I'm really excited to be here. Marlon preached last week an incredible message. And I invite you to go to the podcast and listen to it. He talked about the gift of God, who is the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus was God's gift to man, but also the Holy Spirit. So check that out. Any one of your streaming platforms, look up the living room by the gathering and you'll see the latest messages there. But one of the things that Marlon said that stood out to me after he preached was, man, it's been so long that we've stood in front of people and shared a message. And there's like this weird disconnect because we're so used to staring at the camera after a year. In the beginning, we were struggling to stare at a camera. And now it's like, wait, it's not just the camera. There's also people here. So would you be gracious with us as in these next few weeks that we get used to this old mode or new mode, if you will, depending on how you look at it, of going back to the in-person. But we are excited for it. And I thank you. If you're a first timer with us um, and you've been able to connect with me or somebody at the church, thank you so much for engaging with us. We would love to hear from you. Uh, I'm sure somebody is going to share or has shared a connect card link. Uh, would you fill that out? Even if you feel like I have your number, we have your number, somebody knows you, oh, there's no need, do us a favor. We have an awesome newsletter coming up and we would love to be able to include you in that and keep you up to date with what God is doing here at the gathering. I felt like I wanted to pray again, but we already did that. So let's hope and pray that he what? That he answers our prayer that we just prayed. I saw somebody's sermon come up the other day on my Instagram, and it's the second time I see that he preaches, and in the little blurb in the description, it says trigger warning, and I'm like, man, like, there are certainly some things that we as preachers, as pastors, as teachers, as disciple makers, that we get up here and we say things that we know pushes some buttons. So today I know that some buttons will be pushed. So I prayed that the Holy Spirit would do a work inside of you so that you would receive what we're going to share today with grace and that your ears, your spiritual ears be open to what we're sharing. So let's proceed here. So have you guys watched the news recently? Have you do you, does anybody here like love sports in general or any specific sport? Do you wake up to ESPN? If you, it's okay if you don't. It's okay if you don't. No, it's definitely a question. Soccer counts as a sport for those of us who aren't sure. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Soccer does count. So have you noticed that there are some people who like, like sports and some people who are like, meh, on sports? Like I'm the kind of guy that I watch soccer once every four years for this thing they call the World Cup. And I'll even wake up at 2, 3 in the morning to watch a team that I, like, meh, know a little bit, just to watch them play. But I wouldn't call myself a fan. The other day I was watching the news and I heard of this guy, this super fan, Toronto Raptors, Nav Bahatia. Have you heard of him? So he's being inducted as a super fan into the Basketball Hall of Fame. And I'm just sitting there looking at the news. I'm like, so here's a guy, myself, I grew up playing sports, something that I'm sure like made my mother gasp once or twice in at least a decade of my life. Cause I like to play like 
heavy sports. I played lacrosse. I played football. I wrestled. These sports that as a mom, I can only imagine you're kind of, and I loved playing it. I was okay at it. But I realized after I stopped playing it that I didn't care to watch it. Even football, I played for such a long time in my life, but I don't want to watch the NFL. Like, I don't care for it. I'll watch a little bit of college here and there, especially after I had children. I didn't have the time. And so I'm watching TV and I'm seeing that this guy, Nav, the super fan, he's been watching since the first day that the Toronto Raptors opened up in Toronto. 25 years, he's never missed a home game. And then I realized that I'm a really good fan when all of the, like if I'm invited to a game, everything has to like line up perfectly for me to be able to enjoy going to a game. The first thing, you got to pay for the ticket because I'm not going to pay for it. You have to invite me. And I'm not, I don't have to sit on the glass, although one, once upon a time, somebody invited me to one Islanders game and I sat right on the glass and it was amazing. But not, like, I'm not moved by it enough to buy my own season tickets and not miss a game for 25 years. Those are super fans. And I realized that's just not me. To be a super fan, you have to be super committed doesn't matter if, if on game day it's snowing or it's raining or if you know what like I'm not I'm just not feeling great but yeah but today's the game like I invested in that game I'm invested in this team for those of you who have been watching the Knicks like my brother lose for his entire lifetime this must be a huge year but I'll tell you what I don't even know how many games they've won because guess what I don't care I just see some of you like, oh, Knicks, like, oh my God, the game tonight, they're home, they're, they won. I'm happy for you, but I don't care. Wives might understand me, right? When your husband is just like, whatever his hobby is that he just spends hours doing. And you're like, oh babe, that's, yeah. I don't, like inside he's just like, I don't, I don't care. I don't, like, I don't care, but yay. So I thought about the church. Because that's me, if you know me. Everything relates. How we have super fans, people who are super committed and invested. And then you have those who are just playing church. I'll only go to church if everything is perfect. So if you invite me, you got to pick me up. And if I go, the music has to be on point. And they have to have the soft chairs, which we now have. So if you want to come join us on Sunday at 2.30 p.m., we have the good chairs now. And the pastor's sermon has to be on point. Like, it has to make me feel good. Because if he points me out, I'm not going back. This has me as a fan for sports. If it's too loud, I get bothered. Like, if people are being too belligerent because they're drunk and they're going to be drunk, I get bothered. That's just me. But I'll only go if... The entire setup is perfect for me. The same thing happens with us, not just in our faith, but in our congregating, in the commitment that we make. We let the smallest of things get in the way of us meeting. And now you've heard me say that the essence of our faith, the foundation of our faith isn't necessarily you know, high on the, on the list that gathering isn't the highest thing on the list, but it is high. Don't misunderstand me. 
if you're a fan of Christ, if you're a fan of his work, you commit to all of it. My exhortation for today, commit. Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. I start with this because I want us to understand and review constantly the health of our spiritual life. There's things that as I read scripture, I realize that for so many generations, we as a church have gotten wrong. That there are many people that call themselves believers, call themselves faithful, but they're not. Somehow we were taught along the line that by saying, just saying yes to Jesus was everything that we would need for the rest of our lives. It didn't matter if we didn't gather. It didn't matter if we didn't love our neighbor. neighbor. It didn't matter if we didn't continue believing and doing these things that we were broken by in the first place. It didn't matter as long as in some point I said, I believe in you, Lord. Somewhere that was the theology that we ate. And guess what? That's a comfortable theology. At one point in your life, all you have to say is yes to him. Yes, I believe in him. Nothing else matters. Now, I don't want to confuse you. Because we're saved by grace alone. It's only by his work on the cross that we're saved. But we do get to partner with him in this work. And do we, we do have the option. And we do get the opportunity to choose him by not choosing the things that separated us from him in the beginning. I start here because today I want to talk to you about unanswered prayers. Unanswered prayers. I'm going to invite you to lie to me right now. Who prays every day? At home, raise your hand, raise your hand. Who prays every day? Who struggles? I'm going to invite you now to be honest with me. Who struggles with praying every day? As a pastor, I saw some people raise their hands twice. As a pastor in these last couple of days, specifically to our team, to our serve team, if you're connected with us online, I've been telling my team that we need to pray more. We need to pray more. I grew up seeing my mother doubled over at what they used to call the altar. If you understand why I said it that way, talk to me after service. I'll explain it to you. Doubled over at the altar at the church in front of the pulpit where the pastor preached from crying, tears of pain, tears of repentance, snotty cry. Anybody else snot cry? Have you ever cried from something so deep inside of you that you don't even care how you look? Father, I'm just in front of you asking you, oh Lord, that you would bless me, that you would protect me, that you would look after our children. I grew up watching that. A prayer that came from the essence of the soul, from the deepest of the Holy Spirit. And in the last couple of days, I've been thinking, but man, as much as I, like, I feel like the greatest human experience that I've had is when God answered my prayer. Think about that. When you prayed and an answer came from the Father. Better yet, when you prayed and he said yes. Let me, let, 
I think that's a better clarification. Lord, I need this. Lord, will you this? And the answer was yes, and he did it. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 48. We're going to read quickly verse 1 through 3. I'm going to try to move as fast as I can. I do invite you. I'm going to say some things that are that may kind of nudge you a little bit. You may feel some type of way about it. And I do want to be available to you. Please shoot a message to the church. Email us, gatheringny.info at gmail.com. Don't stay with these doubts. Reach out. I am a pastor. I'm here to walk with you. Okay? Ask your questions. Because I may say some things in a couple of seconds that might offend you. Okay? So, um... I promise you that it's in scripture. Don't get mad at me. This is my disclaimer. I didn't write this book. Let's read Isaiah chapter 48, 1 through 3. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. For they call themselves after the holy city and stay themselves on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth and I announced them. Then suddenly I did them and they came to pass. I started here because I want us to see this last verse. The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth. I announced them. Then suddenly I did them and they came to pass. I start here because I need us to understand that God is able. Do we love God fully in spirit and in truth? Is my question to all of us. Can we call ourselves devoted and committed to him? I believe our devotion to him is evident in our prayer life. And certainly in his response. But what about when we have unanswered prayers? Have you wondered why when you have been doubled over praying, asking, but haven't received a prayer, why you haven't received a prayer? Here's the first trigger. God doesn't listen to all prayers. I know. I know. God does not listen to all prayers. Isaac, how is that possible? He's God. If I'm praying, who's listening? Well, guess what? According to scripture, God doesn't listen to all prayers. What is God saying here in what we just read through the prophet Isaiah? I love the prophet Isaiah if you haven't realized this yet. He's saying, you're full of talk. He's talking to the people of Israel. You're full of talk, but I see no walk. God is reminding Israel that they may confess with their mouth that he is Lord, but they don't do so in truth and right. They don't show what they claim with their mouths. He is telling them here in verse 3, I know everything. Nothing happens without my knowing. This is our assurance today that God is able, that when he is willing to do something, it happens when? Suddenly. Prayer is necessary. I don't want to discourage you today from prayer. I, I just gave you my first trigger. 
He doesn't listen to all prayers. That doesn't mean, aw, like, if he, so why am I, why am I wasting my time? Prayer is an ordinance. He invites us to pray. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ shows us this. As I, I've said many times in those, when he approaches the Father in prayer, asking him if there's any way that he could spare him, it's prayer. He shows us this. It is important, however, God doesn't listen to all prayer. There are things that you and I have prayed for, for years, with angst, with tears, with desperation, and perhaps we haven't received answers to our prayers, let alone the answers we've gotten that we don't like. Amen? Because some people feel like God didn't answer because what he answered they didn't like. I'll tell you one thing. There's three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. I'm impatient. Anybody else impatient? I, I just put new grass. I seeded grass in my backyard. I've been watching that thing for a month and a week, and I am so sick of it, I want it to look pretty already. I'm impatient. So when God replies to me, wait. See, in this season, I've shared with you a couple of weeks ago that God breathed this wind into me that said, watch what I'm going to do. But I knew that in that going to do, there was a wait. Be patient. Be steadfast. Be long-suffering. And what that requires from us is what? It requires faith. So you may say at some point or have asked yourself, is God listening to my prayers? Now that we know that God doesn't listen to all prayers. And is it first, let, be honest with me. If you're watching online, I want you to raise your hand as well. I can't see you, but I can only imagine. Is anybody struggling with what I just said? Raise your hand if you're struggling with what I just said. God doesn't listen to all prayers. It's okay. You're not going to get in trouble. Okay. I believe that what I'm going to share with you, of course, is going to challenge many of us, if not all of us. I do believe, because as I'm preparing this this week, hours of reading and listening and studying, it challenged me. It convicted me. I got nervous to preach this message because what you want to inspire into people is an encouragement to preach. And then I realized there's a way to do this. I'm inviting you to preach just as Christ Lord invites you to preach. I'm sorry, to pray. But we need to know that in our prayer life, we need to be in right standing. So here's the first approach I want to take to this. When you pray and don't receive an answer, you have an unanswered prayer, have you considered yourself? Write this down. Consider myself. Consider yourself when asking why your prayers are unanswered. Isaiah 59, verse 2, and we can put it up right behind here so we can move fast. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, listen, have made a separation between you and your God. Listen. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. He does not hear. Why have we been separated from the Father? Because of our iniquity. 
See, a lot of people feel that because they have unanswered prayers, it's because God isn't good or he isn't faithful or he just doesn't love me. No, no, no. It's because of our doing. It's easy for us to assume that God and his love for us wants us to have everything that we want for ourselves. The truth is that just like it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, ask and you shall receive God. I feel like when we read that, it's like, ask and you, Lord. I, let me teach you something. When you read scripture, read all of it. I, I, I ran a Facebook test this week, which didn't work, but I'll tell you what I was trying to gauge. I, I wrote this verse on my Facebook page because I wanted to see how many likes it would get. Because there's more to this. Because there's more than just saying, ask and you shall receive. See, so many times we look at God like a genie. Like somehow he works for us. Like when we say yes to him and believing in him and believing in his son, it's like, oh my God, oh my God, hold on, hold on. This, this tsunami of blessing is going to come to me and it will, but it doesn't always look the way we want it to look. That's why I emphasize on the things that we want for ourselves. God does want to provide for you, friends. Listen to me. He does want to provide for you. He's a father. One of God's names in the Aramaic is Jehovah Yaira. Yaira, not Jaira. Yaira. Or Yire. Which means that God is our provider. He wants to provide for us. But this doesn't mean he is our genie. Yaira or Yire refers to God's sufficiency. Jehovah Jaira means, Jehovah Yire, excuse me, means I am enough. Has anybody grown up in church thinking that God, our provider, means that whatever you want, he will give you? Anybody? Because it's me. The way I learned it was, oh, my God, he wants to give me everything I've ever wanted. I love the movie Aladdin, by the way. Like, I know the religious will say a million things about it. So I get the point of a genie. And that being somehow like a little bit enticing. But that's not God. Jehovah, Yireh is our sufficiency. God the provider means that what you need, I'm here to provide. When we don't hear from God, instead of just assuming that the answer is no, or wait, or yes, we must consider ourselves. I've been praying for this, I've been asking for this, but I don't get a response. This is a mature Christian. A mature Christian says, what's happening inside of me? Am I believing? Am I actually a believer? Do I believe in our Lord Jesus Christ? Do, is there unforgiveness? Is there bitterness? These are things, these are the iniquities that can keep us away from the face of the Father. Some of us approach God in prayer without repentance, expecting grand to happen for us in the vertical when we are a mess in the horizontal. Anybody else? You remember English class? We want big things for us to happen in the up and down, the us to him, the him to us, but our horizontal is a hot mess. All of this counts in prayer. God doesn't desire not to listen to you. He wants to be near to you. He wants to be your sufficiency, but never at the cost of his righteous integrity. Write this down. 
the answer to my prayers aren't at the cost of his righteous integrity. His righteous integrity. I talked about the vertical blessing and the horizontal mess. And I think about wives and husbands for those of us who are married. After having fought with our spouse, quarreled with our children, and then approaching the Lord in prayer, asking him to do something for you. And for those of you who are husbands and you're watching me right now or listening to me later, I invite you to go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. If we can put it up here. It says, likewise husbands, listen to me. For those of you that aren't husbands, this is for you early. I'm going to save you a lot of pain today. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Don't be offended by that. I didn't write it. It's in the Bible. Ask God why he wrote that. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you, with you, with you, with you, with you. You're not better than they are. You're not higher in value than they are. Heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered, which tells us what? That prayers may be hindered. This tells us that the woman specifically, because this is also for women. Women, honor your husbands in this way. Don't create problems. And if you do, ask for forgiveness. If they cause problems and ask you for forgiveness, give forgiveness. The truth about marriage is that forgiveness is hard. Hard. I've experienced forgiveness for my wife for things that I perhaps didn't deserve. And I know it's hard to the point where my wife, and not to put her on blast, but that she's told me, I feel like I struggle with full forgiveness, but I desire to do that. I desire to give full forgiveness to anyone who's offended me. And maybe all of us feel that way. Although some of us do like to hold a grudge. There are some of us who like to fight or be in fights. We like drama. We watch Bravo a lot. Husbands, we might have to watch Bravo from time to time. Wives, watch it a little less. Do us the favor, you know? God doesn't listen to all prayer. If you're quarreling with somebody, if you have unforgiveness and the bitterness because you're fighting with somebody and then you want to come to the Father, oh Lord, today I approach you. I'm asking you that you would, how dare you? We're talking about you quarreling with the son of God, with a daughter of the father. And after offending the daughter, after offending a son of the father, you want to come and ask for something? I have two daughters. If one of you offends my daughters, you think you can approach me? Now, mind you, I am man. He is God. But he's a father. He's a father. And the way 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 ends, it says, so that your prayers may not be hindered, which means that if you haven't resolved these things, particularly here, we're looking at marriage, relationship. If you haven't fixed these things, God is not listening to your prayer. That's heavy. That's heavy. 
So let's assume that we've fixed this, that we are in good standing in our relationship. The next thing we see, the next perspective we have on why God may have unanswered prayer in, the, in, in our inbox with him is that we need to make sure that doubt is removed when we pray. Make sure that doubt is removed when you pray. James chapter 1 verse 5 through 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. If you're in good spiritual, in a good spiritual state to pray and approach the Father, do so with one of my favorite words, assurance. This is telling us to ask him, to pray to him in faith with no doubting. Believe that he can provide what you're asking for. Otherwise, what's the point? What's the point? People play the lottery knowing they, they're going to lose? No, they, they, they play hoping that they will win. I've never played the lottery. I wouldn't even know how to start. But what I do know is that people dump thousands of dollars in this because of a hope to win money. You don't go to the movies, pay your ticket, buy your snacks, cozy up in these new fancy chairs. If you remember the movie theater, it's possible you don't. You don't cozy up in these new chairs and say and whisper to the person next to you, I'm going to hate this movie. Think, But think about it. You do all this prep work. You, you made a decision to go. You've now paid money to go. I love movies. I love movies. If you want to take me somewhere that you know I'll enjoy, take me to the movies. I love movies, but I don't make that decision knowing like, oh, I am going to hate this movie. No, you go with an expectation that you are going to enjoy the space that you're going into, the experience that you're going to have. But why do we do that then with God? It's like there's this thing in our human nature that is like, there's no fathomable way that God will answer this prayer for me. It's so impossible. So why are you praying? When you pray without doubt, God won't work there. When you pray in the midst of sin, your sin, God won't work there. He is not listening to those prayers. You are wasting your time. We all know the things that we're struggling with. And if this is unrepentant sin that he has convicted you of, and that's what I want to attach here also. Marlon talked about the Holy Spirit last week. You know that the Holy Spirit is active in you because there's conviction to what you're doing. There's times that I get frustrated with my wife, and I may want to raise my voice, but I've taught myself in this season of my life to say, you know what? I am frustrated. I am not going to scream. And it's not worth us fighting over. But I do want you to know that I'm upset. My wife, can, my wife can vouch for that. I've tried my best to do that. Because I understand that there are prayers that I need God to listen to today. 
I need him to listen to these prayers today. Prayers for you, prayers for us, prayers for his church, prayers for our world. And I know that he won't listen if I'm not right. And I error. I'm not saying we need to be perfect. This is not, friends, this is not an exhortation to be perfect. It's an exhortation to be honest. You know the things that you're struggling with. Be honest about the repentance of it. And when you pray, don't doubt or don't discount God's will. First John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything to his will, he will hear us or he hears us. Let me read that back. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according, I missed that word before, according to his will, he hears us. So assuming we are right with the Father and in good relationship, we must pray, but always remember his will. Remember that no is an answer. Remember that not yet is an answer. Remember that wait on me is an answer. And of course, he can always give us a yes. I know this is what I want, but is this what you want for me? That should be part of your consideration to unanswered prayers. Perhaps what I'm praying for is not something you want from me. Natalie and I were talking yesterday about getting bigger houses. Like, man, I just, I just desire a bigger house. And I told her, I'm like, me too. Like, I would love to have a bigger house. And I just moved into my house. But remember I told you I'm impatient? Believe it or not, our house is basically brand new. And I'm sick of it. Like, I look at my white walls and I'm like, ah. Like, I'm bored. If anybody wants to help me paint, you're welcome to come by. When you pray, do you ask, is this, if this, if this, is this good for me? Father, this is what I desire, but is this good for me? Is this something you want for me in this season? And especially when it's something difficult. A year and change ago, I was in the hospital with someone. And some of you know, because I did share this recently, I was sitting in the, in the lobby, in the hospital lobby with her, praying over her loved one who was so close to losing his life. And as we're praying in this lobby, I tell her, don't forget God's will. Lord, if it be your will to restore my health, if that's you perhaps, or someone you love, asking and crying out for your... Listen, God is in control. And I know that hurts to hear when we really want something. They're like, wait on God's will. But don't discount his will. He knows better for you. He knows what's better for you than you do for yourself. And then, of course, review your intentions about what you're asking for. In James chapter 4, verse 3, it says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Listen, this should be your verse for this week. James chapter 4, verse 3. Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Some of us are out here asking God for God to provide us things that we know we're going to misuse. We know we're going to misuse it. We're asking for houses not to be missional and open them up to fellowship, but to show them off to someone else. Natalie, I'm not talking about you. 
Natalie got offended really fast. She looked up at me. I saw her Puerto Rican side look at me and get ready to fight. I'm not talking about you. But I have heard people say like, oh, like I just want people to like, to like my house and be the, I want to be that house. So if that's why we're asking, why would he provide that for you? Lord, I want a Ferrari for what? You want a Ferrari for you to feel better about yourself? And what makes you feel better about yourself? Oh, because I have more than the next person. Why would he give that to you? Lord, give me tons of money because I just want to misspend all of it. But why would I do that for you? Especially money, right? Because the love of money can draw us and separate us from the Father. It's evil. So if you're someone that can't save with the $100 you make now, why was he going to give you a million? You're just going to spend it on the nonsense that you want to buy today. When we, when we first saw our house, when we were looking for a home, we dedicated our house that we didn't have yet to the Father. And when we walked into the house that we have today, we walked in and we said, oh, my God, if we knock down all these walls, we could have church here. Like there was a point to the house. And I'm only giving you my example because I've only bought my house. I, can't, I didn't buy your house. But like everything about our life should be missional. So when you invite God into this mission work, of course he's going to bless you. Genesis has been praying to stay here for a summer so that she could work and start her life here as an adult. And we, we started praying for a car. And within days, my mother-in-law says, you know what? I'm moving to the Dominican Republic. I decided to give Genesis my car. Do you think she wants it for free? But she's looking to produce with that. She's looking to do good work with that. She's going to be missional with that, helping people, driving to work, production, right? Because I'm not saying that everything that you have or want needs to be like just for the church, but it does need to be healthy. It does need to be good for you. And it does need to be according to his will. You have to review your intentions when you pray. When you see someone suffering who you love and you ask, Lord, don't let them pass. Don't let them die. But you don't know God's will. What is your intention for asking about that? And I, I'll join you in prayer. But we don't know what he desires. I look at my grandmother, with all due respect to my mom who's sitting here. And there's days that I'm like, Father, I can't imagine what she's going through. Your, my intention is that she would be okay. She loves you. She's given her life to you. She says yes to you. Her and her husband have served you. Do what you have to do. Understanding that what he chooses to answer my prayer with, it may hurt. What are your intentions when you pray, when you ask for things? I'm giving you scripture for every point that I'm making, guys. James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask the wrong way to spend it on your passions. To close here, God hears the prayers of those who consider his word a staple in their lives. I hope that some of you who are watching this are kind of in limbo in your faith. 
I don't hope for the limbo and faith part, but I do hope for this. If you're praying to the Father, but have no relationship with Him, they're wasted words. They're wasted words. I heard a pastor say this, and I'm going to say this to our house. When people approach me, and I know that they're in flagrant sin, and they ask me to pray for this and pray for that, don't do that to me. Trigger warning. I'm not praying for that. I won't join you in prayer for that. I will pray for you separately that God would do his grace and mercy over you. But I can't join you in prayer knowing that you're in unrepentant and flagrant sin. He's not listening. And you're going to bring me to talk to this angry father with you? I know you've offended his daughter. I know you're offending his son. And you want me to come before him with, I'm not getting in trouble with you. Trigger warning, right? Especially as a pastor, because somehow we feel like God listens to me in a different way that he can listen to you. Let's go to Jeremiah 33, verse 3, because I've said this to you many times, and today I have scripture. In Jeremiah 33, verse 3, it starts by saying, call to, what does it say? Not call to the pastor. Call to me. And I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. It doesn't say call on the pastor. But let me be loving. This is not saying don't tell me to pray for you. No, this is not saying that. I love, I love that you guys call me and you ask for prayer. And I'm, I'm always, I've never said no. I'm always ready to join you in prayer. But as we mature in faith, you have to know how to pray for yourself. There's days that I can't answer my phone. There's days that I won't be available. We're finally able to go on vacation for the first time in years. And I'm not going to be checking my phone for your text messages. Are we going to fall apart on those five days that I'm away? Can you pray for yourself? Can you do what Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3 says? Call to me. This convicted me also because sometimes I feel like I feel like when I was younger, a lot of my prayer was like for show, like to show other people that I was praying or like I would like pray louder or pray in front of people or like until I got married and the pastor, I used to pastor at the church that we rent from here, Maranatha. I used to be the assistant pastor for a bit and the pastor who was a senior pastor then, he invited me, I wasn't in ministry yet, he invited me to open up the church on Monday mornings at five so that people could come and pray here at the church. And I would sit on this corner here by myself for like a year and a half. Nobody ever came to pray at 5 a.m. on a Monday morning. But it was like a lesson that God knew that I needed to learn that when you pray to me, you call to me. You don't pray to me to put on a show. You don't pray to me so that your pastor can see that you're praying or that so-and-so so knows what you're praying for and they can say, oh, that's a praying man. No, and I did so in silence. The pastor didn't even show up at 5 a.m. to pray with me. He gave me a key to the door. I opened up the church and I sat in that corner crying my eyes out by myself. But it taught me something. It's in secret that things change. It is in secret that things change because you can lie to me. For those of you who lied to me earlier, when I asked you if you prayed daily and you raised your hand or you wanted to, you desired to, it's one thing to tell me you do pray, but I can't change your life. 
I can't give you what you're praying for. God can use me to bless you with something, but I can't answer your prayer. What happens in secret is evident in the light. If God's faithfulness is evident in you, if his favor is out loud and highlighted, neon highlighter, that means there's something happening in secret. And that when you pray, he is listening to your words. I love questions. My closing question is this. When you pray, is he listening to your prayer? Only you know your relationship with the Father. I pray that you've been convicted in some way today, but also that you're encouraged because God is a God of forgiveness and his forgiveness is available, available for all of us today. Will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?